0: Are Locked On Pistons your daily Detroit Pistons podcast? Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join me this week on a Saturday at two p.m. to get in on the action. Per usual, I'm your host Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Detroit Bad Boys, my article about the Pistons. You can find me on YouTube at Kuka's Ballroom. You can also find me on Twitter at Kuka Hill NBA. And today I am joined by my friend, host of the Busted Headed what what Busted Header right?
1: Busted Header, yeah.
0: Buster, Busted Header podcast, Hal. How you doing, man?
1: Well, you had Bryce on here so many times, I had to like start racking it up again, you know? <laughs> I, I can't let him take all those appearances from me. I'm looking I, for I the don't... appearances record. That's all that matters.
0: You know, I was I went back and listened to a few of the podcasts, and I was like, oh yeah. I remember Hal was the first one to be on here twice, and I haven't had him on since. So I, what's going <laughs> on here? But, but uh, on today's podcast, we're going to have a few things here for you guys. First, we're going to get Hal's reaction to winning the lottery i know it's been about two weeks now since that happened but we haven't heard all the guests i want uh, all their reactions yet we we got bryce's we got mine uh, but so we're gonna get hal's reaction to how he was acting where he was how he felt when it happened um then we're gonna talk about a little bit about sadiq bay later on the podcast as well something a video i have coming to you guys me and hal will talk about that a little bit and then also some late round guys that possibly the pistons could be interested in if they want to trade in the first round or there's another way we're going to try to segue that into is there a position of need that the Pistons should be looking to address at the end of the first round. But before we get into all that, Hal, the Pistons obviously won the lottery. Looks like Kate Cunningham's coming to the Pistons. You know, I don't know if you saw my report last week, but it looks like that he's going to be the overwhelming favorite. Uh, what was your reaction the night of the lottery?
1: Well, so I watched it with my, uh, my co-host... And we were like, okay, we're gonna do a a podcast afterwards. We'll figure out, you know, what's going on then. And like, we get Cade, and we 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 did a I did a a rather drunken podcast after getting Cade, (laughs) and we haven't potted since because like our whole thing was okay. We'll do like a weekly thing on draft prospects, uh, going through like the rest of the summer up to the draft. That'll give us some content, right? And then it's like. Well, we got Cade and we don't need to discuss this any further and I don't know what to talk about. I don't know how to process this. Like, you know, you're like me like we we go and we look at a bunch of film and stuff and it's like I've already looked at all the Cade film and the annoying thing is like he fits everything. Like there's not a there's not a thing where it's like okay, how does how does Cade fit with Killian and how does Cade fit with Isaiah Stewart and Sid-? like you you put him wherever you want in the lineup, it doesn't matter. So so it's like there's not the, there's no real critical thinking needed here. I'm just really excited to see him in a uniform you know it's like hurry up let's uh, the end of july can't come fast enough what is it the 22nd is the draft i I believe
0: i believe is in it might be late 20s i think it might be like i don't know i think it's the i I thought 28th that was the the date in my head i may be completely off though so i don't know
1: I, I don't I don't remember either. I'm just whatever day that is. I can't wait. I can't wait to see him like do the put the hat on and do the little interview. That's all that matters.
0: <laughs> so so I I don't know. if I'm sure you saw my reaction. Uh, I lost it. I went crazy. Of course I did. <laughs> I, <laughs> I legit lost my mind. I couldn't believe it. Was there any type of screaming or like did you did you hear neighbors celebrating or did, like did, uh, not, neighbors, not neighbors not neighbors.
1: I'm out in the in the the country, so can't really hear the neighbors. I definitely made some noises. Uh, I don't know if we got words <laughs> for noises. what those noises are, <laughs> but I, I made some noises. Uh, I, I know my co-host was making noises. Webster was making some noises as well. So I mean, a lot of jubilation. There, there was a lot of like running around and like talking to people and, and like calling up friends and and chatting up friends. Like, did you see? Did you see? Did you see what we got? You know. Uh, that cool down period of like just scrolling Twitter and making sure that everyone else is as hyped as you are. Cause you don't know yes. how else to process it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that.
0: So I talked about it a lot. I'm, I'm not out in the country, like how I'm closer to Detroit. I'm in Metro Detroit. I'm probably about 10 minute drive away from Detroit. Uh, and I talked about it at length about how the energy around the city was just like seen so high. I've never seen it like that before. So, but how you're, you're a deep dra- draft guy. Like you said, you were going to start, doing weekly it's like the piss and got the third i'm sure you were going to talk about evan mobley jalen green um who, whoever yeah, else uh, kamingo whatever yeah so but like you said there's like not really much to talk about because we're getting kade and <laughs> like you said he he fits everything just what's your overall thoughts on k as a prospect Do you have him as like a like it seems like everyone believes he's clear-cut number one even though there's like some rumors and some speculation it makes it seem like that he's not as clear-cut as a number one as, like, let's say Anthony Davis was or Zion was or LeBron was. Uh, do you think that he's on that level as a clear-cut number one? Not their skill level, not saying he is LeBron, but, like, do you think he's on that same tier of, oh, yeah, he's a clear-cut number one in this draft? Or do you think there's, there's things to think about with the speculation?
1: I personally do. Um, you know, like – if you were, if you grade like everybody out of like a hundred, you know, like LeBron is like a 99 out of a hundred or a hundred out of a hundred, right? He's, he's the best player you can possibly get physically gifted, skilled, et cetera, et cetera. And Anthony Davis is like a 96 out of a hundred. I think Cade's like a 90 and like a Luka Doncic is like a 91, 92. Like he's, he's right in there for me. Um, you just, you don't, build them six, eight with passing and shooting. And like, he's engaged on defense. And that's normally the thing, like, oh, you get, you know, two of the three, two of the four there to be like his, his big flaws. He's not the most elite athlete. Like he's, he's just kind of a B tier athlete. But other than that, you really can't pick too many holes in his game. You can talk about like, he had some turnover issues for the most part. That's just like his team didn't make shots uh even if he was forcing some shots like i think he was near four turnovers a game uh even if you don't take any of those away he probably could have made like eight assists a game if his teammates just shot like a normal percentage from three that kind of so like there aren't many holes you've got a guy who can shoot uh a guy who can shoot not only off the catch but off the dribble and create his own three-point shots uh with over 40 percent efficiency just really good a guy who defends really well Um, is engaged defensively not just not just like capable of defending but was actually pretty engaged um, 1v1 and in team defense a guy who can pass um, a guy who is willing to take on clutch shots I mean there's not many things you can ask for in a prospect and even if you compare him to someone like Zion right the the athletic freak of all freaks like Zion can't play defense right now so you can say Zion was a better prospect. I know a, a lot of people will tell you that they they kind of grade Zion out a little higher, but Cade's probably the easiest plug and play prospect we've seen. I, I don't want to say ever, but like I don't necessarily know that there's anything you're worried about when you draft Cade Cunningham. There's no real fit concerns, or any, you're just you're real happy you got one of the best players in the draft and a guy you expect to be the best or second best player on a on a contender.
0: Yeah, so I completely agree with that as well. But as you know, there's been plenty of talk about possibly the Pistons really like Jalen Green. Um, I, I, I've said myself I don't really want to engage that anymore. Uh, I've had my own report, like I said, that said basically Cade's overwhelming prospect. Um, it, a lot of people have been saying the Pistons. I mean, there was even an article by Bleacher Report that said that the Pistons, there are some people close to the Pistons that have apparently leaked out that K's the pick. Um, so, But, any, but anywho, Jalen Green – what is it about Jalen Green? Let's just do a quick thing. I don't really want to do like what you were mentioning with the weekly prospects. Or like I said, we're getting Kay Cunningham. But Jalen Green is the guy that everyone keeps mentioning. I have some fans that really like Jalen Green. I see why they really like him. But, Hal, tell us what it is about Jalen Green that, in your head, if a team were to pass up Kay Cunningham, not even just the Pistons, but if a team were to pass up on Kay and get Jalen Green, what is it that they're looking at that would make them do that? And if you reply with their just pure stupidity, I would accept that. And we can go on to the next segment.
1: Uh, He's like a legitimately elite athlete, right? Great explosion. Great first step. Uh, A guy who's hitting, you know, the step back threes and the kind of shots that kind of make a superstar scorer. Now Uh, there's the framework of a guy who can be not just like a good defender, but like a really impactful defender. There's a lot of positives. And I think for the most part with the Pistons, it was uh how do I say I think if you look at the way fans were right fans started the year this year like Cade it's all about Cade and then like we let the doubt creep in and I was like well let's go look at Evan Mobley and Jalen Green right and everyone was like I'm a Mobley guy or I'm a Jalen Green guy and everyone stopped being a Cade fan because it was like oh we're a little we're a little nervous about getting the number one and then you had some people like oh who who do you want when we eventually get number six right everyone kind of The team does that too, right? The team goes and they scout Cade and they go, oh, well, Cade's real damn good. And then they go, but what happens if we get two and three, you know, what's, what's the pick there? And so I'm certain guys in the front office fell in love with Jalen Green. It's, it's hard not to, he's really great. I don't necessarily think that means they fell more in love with him than Cade Cunningham, right? You know, like it's, it's totally fine to like guys. I like guys that are going to be at like eight and 12 in this draft. I don't, I'm not picking him over Cade Cunningham. <laughs> and I, I think that's kind of the story we've got here is a lot of people saying, hey, we like Jalen Green. And frankly, it's there's going to be some noise out of the front office, right, uh, to try and, and generate some trade value and make sure you're kind of playing the politics behind the scenes. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear cut, in my opinion.
0: All right, so how you guys listening to the podcast, you guys know Hal Lily just said exactly what I said myself I think Thursday's podcast I said that I'm sure the Pistons do love Jalen Green I'm sure they do love all these other guys because they didn't know they were getting the first overall pick but once you get the first overall pick it's like oh okay you guys are great but Kate's better that that basically is what happens here so uh, I'm glad Hal basically echoed what I said without knowing what I said actually Hal might have known what I said but I'm going to assume that he didn't I
1: listen I listen
0: I'm gonna buffer my point here by acting like you you didn't hear what I said <laughs> last week but when we come back we're going to talk about possibly Sadiq Bey, some of his weaknesses and a video I'm coming out with talking about those weaknesses, and we'll also talk about possibly trading back into the first round. I know you guys have been talking about that heavy with me on Twitter, and is there a specific position, my God, that the Pistons should be going after at the end of the first round? We'll talk about that as well, but before we get into that, let me tell you guys about your favorite sponsor. You guys know it, Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar on the planet Earth comes in a variety of flavors including six new flavors in caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All flavors are covered in incredible tasting chocolate and are soft and easy on the teeth to chew. These bars are low in calorie and sugar, but high in protein and fiber. A flavor I suggest is a peanut butter flavor, packed with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. So go try the boat Bar. Go to boatbar.com and use promo code lack 15 you'll get 15% off your next order. Again... Use promo code lack 15 for 15% off at bootbar.com. Boot Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Okay, Hal, so like you said, we're going to talk about possibly the Pistons moving back into the first round, possibly late first round, even maybe the lottery, who knows. But you, like myself, know that the Pistons have three second round picks. They have some players on the team that we believe may just be the numbers game. Someone like Josh Jackson may just be out or... Who knows, maybe Diallo. I'm going to assume it's not Diallo. But someone's going to eventually be out, in my opinion. You also got Mason Plumlee, who could be on the move to a contending team that could really use them. Uh, How? first off, before we – this is going to be a longer segment. We're going to talk about this. But first off, how do you see the Pistons moving back into the first round in general?
1: Uh, If it's in the first round, I would expect it to be more like the 28th pick. You know, uh, because there's a little bit of value in – I mean, A, maybe it's just the guy you want is at risk of being taken there. But also, like, you get the guaranteed contract structure and everything there. So you get the four years with the two options. Um, I don't see them doing, like, trading into the 16 spot necessarily. Um, not necessarily because there isn't anyone there, but just you don't want to spend that many assets that many years in a row. Um, and I don't think the the second rounders can can get you up higher in the second round, but I don't necessarily know that they're going to get you – like 16 or 20.
0: All right. So is there a specific position that you're looking for? Cause I know I've mentioned uh, multiple times on the podcast about, and we'll talk about this more in depth later as well, but is there a specific position that you'd want the Pistons to look at if they were to trade back into the late first round? Like you said, somewhere between 25 and 30.
1: Uh, I think center, um, especially getting that, that like vertical, um, Athletic center is a big thing. And then it's just kind of shooting across the roster. Um, You know, do you want to look at something from the point guard position to get you better shooting? Uh, Maybe look for like one of the more veteran guards in the draft to get you uh, production there. Maybe because you want to get Corey Joseph's money off the books, that kind of thing. Um, You know, if you do end up moving a Diallo or a Josh Jackson or or not resigning uh, Diallo, um, you know, maybe you need a little more depth on the wing. But I think, I think the big position that everyone kind of sees is the vertical threat at center, uh, especially looking past Plumley, whether he stays for his contract or, or not. You need something there. All right, so we'll talk about
0: that a little bit later, like I said, but you guys already know if you guys have been listening to the podcast. I completely agree with what Hal just said, and that's what we'll be diving more into later on. But, Hal, one more question for you. So if the Pistons had to move back into the first round, Who do you think is the player most likely to be attached to like maybe two second round picks here? Cause I've maintained and I've said multiple times in the podcast that my prediction here is the Pistons attach Mason Plumlee to a few second round picks and get, send him to like a contending team that needs a big guy, maybe a backup big guy, maybe an average starting center who knows what he's doing and can play really well and contribute for you. That's been my bet that they're going to use Plumlee to move back into like, like you said, 25 to 30 with maybe like a second round pick or two. What's your best bet of how they do this?
1: Yeah, I would think Plumlee is is a pretty good one. Um, he's on just a little bit more money than I think people would want uh, for like their backup, but I think they'd probably be willing to accept it. Corey Joseph is the same way, where it's like he's probably on like four million a year more than somebody really wants to pay Corey Joseph, uh, and I, and I think Josh Jackson's the third option there, where you know there's plenty of teams that would love to have Josh Jackson come off the bench and give them stuff. So yeah.
0: All right, so fair enough. Uh, like Hal mentioned, and like I've mentioned many times in the podcast, uh, the position that I would like the Pistons, if they do get back into the first round, and overall not just in the first round, but throughout the entire offseason, w- I'd like them to address this somehow. It doesn't have to be the draft, but free agency, trade, somehow. Uh, it's like he said, the vertical threat, a lob threat, a rim protector, super athletic guy who can go up and catch all kinds of different lobs, have a large catch radius. Because I feel like, and I've mentioned this many times before, I actually had one of you guys tweet me a few days ago asking me, oh, I see, I feel like that you're not as high on Isaiah Stewart as everybody else is. Can you dive more into that? And I'll, I guess I can talk about that a little bit more later this week uh, in a podcast. But uh, I'll, I'll say right now, it's not that I'm just low on Isaiah Stewart. It's just that I, I saw enough to let me know that I don't, I'm just not completely, utterly sold on him being the starting five moving forward, which I think is completely okay. Um, and I think the Pistons, and specifically Killian Hayes and even Kay Cunningham, but more so Killian Hayes, would really thrive really well if he had someone who could jump really high, had a large catch radius, could catch it from all different angles, and be a really good rim-running lob threat. And also, at the other end, be a really good rim protector. He can, you know, att- uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Or um, confuse guys and, like, kind of scare shots. I guess that's the best way. I- I'm forgetting the word I'm looking for right now, but kind of like scare shots at the rim. Uh, because of how athletic and how high and all the 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 wingspan, whatever, all the places you can get to uh, on that defensive end. So, how is there any he, anybody in the end of the first round that you know of like that, or someone you believe in the draft that the Pistons could target that fits that kind of description that you'd like to see them get?
1: So, in the like first round range, you're going to have guys like Kai Jones at Texas, uh, DeRon Sharp, North Carolina, Isaiah Jackson. Uh, Kentucky. Those are your bouncy uh, centers. Daron Sharp's a little more ground bound, but he's a he's a real big physical guy. Um, Usman Garuba's a guy from Real Madrid who uh, is more like your Draymond Green body, but he's super athletic. And um, those guys you see mocked up and down the draft. They can be anywhere. Garuba I've seen as high as like seven and as low as like thirty five. So. And that's just kind of the way this draft works. There's a lot of people. There's also people like um, JT Thor is kind of more like your Serge Ibaka power forward with the the bounce, but also the shooting range that uh, you could look at. There's the, um, and I think the one that has kind of snuck up on people is Jericho Sims at Texas, who blew everyone out of the water at the combine when it came to the vertical uh, measurements and the uh, the agility stuff. Uh, and he's kind of the the guy that you get in the second round, or even maybe he goes undrafted because he wants to play for more of a contender. But he's the he's the guy who's crazy athletic, defense, pick and roll, um, and just plays really smart defensive basketball, and then in smart pick and roll basketball. So those are kind of the names to look out for.
0: I, I just remembered the word I was looking for: alter shots. That's that's what I was looking for: alter shots around the rim. Um, I was going to guess okay. deter oh the, either one either one would have worked both of them are better than scare shots <laughs> that is both, either one's better than that uh okay so how last thing about this uh if they were to not get into the first round if they were to stay pat or maybe even use a couple of their seconds to move up into the second round and like you said this draft seems to be like you can see guys all over the place they range up to six seven eight and they also range as low as like 36, 37, 30 You don't know what's going to happen. So they could possibly even move up into the early second round with a few of their second round picks. Who know? But if they were to not address this need in the draft, is there anybody that you've noticed at all? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. But so if you don't have an answer, that's completely fine. But is there anybody that you have thought about across the league or in free agency that you've thought, man, that that, that would probably work with the lob threat rim runner to help Killian Hayes and uh, in the pick and roll offense?
1: Oh yeah, I I'd have to look at like the free agents coming up and you know things like a, a Rashawn Holmes, right? Just like someone who's real bouncy, uh defends the rim and doesn't need to do a whole lot else. That's the kind of profile I'm looking at.
0: All right. Uh, so go ahead. Did you have I was just else? to
1: say yeah, I, I haven't looked enough at the the free agent list. I've kind of been skipping that whole part uh in, in draft mode, you know, to uh so I'm not sure what the names to look out for really are.
0: Fair enough. All right. So last thing I'll get from you here is, if you had to make a prediction, do you believe the Pistons do address that this off season, or do you think they look at do you think the Pistons look at it as as big of a need as people like us are saying it is?
1: Um, I think they believe it's a need. I also think that Plumlee fills that need to some extent. You know, he is. Your more athletic vertical center, even at his uh, ad- more advanced age at this point. So I don't know if they feel like it's a an immediate need, but I do believe they think it's a, it's something that they have to have on the roster, whether it's Plumlee or or whether they replace him with someone else or or get his uh, the next in line guy in this draft, and you know you put him in the G League for a couple of years or whatever.
0: All right, fair enough. Well, you heard Hal about all this. I know this is an interesting topic for all you guys. You guys are constantly sending me trade proposals or possible ways to piss and get back into the first round. So we got a few more weeks to go and we'll see if they actually do it. I'm sure this is not the last time we'll talk about this, Uh, but thank you Hal, for your thoughts on that. When we come back, we're going to talk about Sadiq Bay and a weakness of his as I think his biggest weakness and biggest area of improvement. I've watched a ton of film. I have a video coming to you guys soon should be out maybe even on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, But we'll talk about that when we come back. But before we do that, Let me tell you guys about another one of our sponsors, BetOnline AG. Betting is not legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there's one problem I constantly ran into. There's just so many different apps to bet through. Which betting app is the best to use? Which one is the best for me? That's why I found BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season might be over, but the NBA and MLB are still in full swing. If you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, BetOnline has you covered there too. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could bet on. BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus and your first deposit, and make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alright, Hal, so last time I had you on the podcast, we made a little running joke after uh, one of my ad reads about rock auto uh, <laughs> which one which one do you believe i've said more do you do you think i say better line more or rock auto more because i think it's a close race here
1: oh definitely rock auto definitely
0: <laughs> fair it, enough. it may
1: or may not have something to do with the fact that i've also said it like 15 times on this podcast already so
0: <laughs> fair enough but all right so one of your guys's favorite rookies sadiq bay let me preface this by saying this I like Sadiq Bay. I'm not saying he's bad. I really do like Sadiq Bay. He was a really good draft pick. Obviously, what he means he... is get
1: your pitchforks ready. Just yes. sharpen them up, oil them. If you want to do like the flaming <laughs> rags, you know.
0: Yes, basically is what I'm saying. Because I know there's going to be a, a portion of you guys who just don't like to hear anything negative about these guys. But it is what it is. We have to talk about their weaknesses at some point because these players are not perfect. And Sadiq Bay, is sadly going to be the first one we talk about. I think I've kind of talked about Isaiah Stewart a little bit, but we haven't really, I don't think I've really, uh, went a whole segment about Isaiah Stewart, but anyways, we're gonna talk about Sadiq Bay and me and Hal kind of talked about this. I believe during the season towards the end of the season with it. Uh, but I've actually been watching more film about it over the past two days to create this video. And man, it's, it's, it's his passing, I guess is what we should just label it, but it goes much deeper than his passing. Um, Hal, I'll kind of let you say your overall thoughts on it because I know you you also feel somewhat of the same way as me. I don't know if you feel as strongly as me, but um, you know where we're going with this. Uh, do you believe that passing is his biggest uh, weakness that he needs to improve on? And do you actually believe, because like I told you before, I, me and Hal were talking before we actually started recording. I told him that I don't even know if I just limit it to passing right now. Uh, Hal, do you... Do you think that passing is his biggest need to work on or do you think it goes much deeper than that?
1: Uh I think passing is the the area it shows up in most but I think he's kind of got a bad sense of space sometimes on the court in general. Um you know, he's got a 7% assist percentage I think it is. Like that's like Tobias Harris was at like 13% and we were kind of talking when he was here about how he didn't pass enough and you know that was the the reason he couldn't be you know, your number one offensive option is just, if you have, you know, it doesn't matter how much scoring gravity you have. If you're not creating for others and moving the ball, you're just not worth quite as much. So Sadiq's got that, but like he also does things where he'll make a pass in transition. And I kind of feel like he's passing behind guys. He's not leading them correctly. The timing's off a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes he'll, he'll move in space and cut into space. And I don't think he takes the greatest angles. So, um, yeah, I think that just generally his feel for the space and kind of his vision of the space on the courts sometimes a little limited.
0: So I'm, I'm going to go a little bit harder on him right here. Uh, and you guys will see You guys will see the video coming out soon, so I'll have like the film in front of you guys. I've mentioned this to you guys before. It really sucks. Like It's hard for me to explain it on the podcast because I'm looking at it right now, but you guys can't see what I'm talking about, so I try to explain it to you guys. But I am going to have the breakdown coming out in like, the next day or two, so you guys will be able to reference that if you guys want to like go back to the podcast and, like, watch it at the same time. I don't know if you guys are down for that. But either way, um it goes much deeper than just the passing. Uh, all the things you said uh, are, are very accurate. But this is the thing that's, like, striked me the most. And it it has frustrated me watching film the past two days more than it did during the season. Because, like, I know what I'm watching for, and, and it's happening almost every clip I'm watching. Um He – his decision making, I think, is almost on par as Josh Jackson, as Josh Jackson type of bad. Uh, Hal's making a face right now that he he just can't believe him calling it that bad. But. Oof, just oof. <laughs> but but look, there's there's multiple plays, and I think it started to happen more often after like the first month of the season when he was shooting like two percent on two pointers. Obviously, that's like an exaggeration, but it was awful. And I kind of feel like he started to, like, force the issue. Now, if you guys remember, I came on the podcast and made a video talking about how he had been doing much better around the rim and from two-point range after the first month of the season. But then I guess what my idea is what happened of what happened with him is he started to have a little bit more success with it, and he started to force the issue way too much and wanted to prove something way too much. And it was affecting his overall game way too much and the team's offense way too much. Like, there's multiple times. Like, I'm looking at a clip right now where he literally drives to the rim. I wish I could play. I, I'm not going to, I had to pause it because I don't know if the audio is not, if the audio is playing or not, but he literally drives down the baseline and Mason Plumley's sitting right underneath the rim next to him, wide open. And instead of jumping it off to him, he tries to go for a layup and hits the bottom of the backboard. Uh, like we're not talking about those like regular misses. We're talking about legit bottom of the backboard kind of misses underneath the rim kind of thing. Um, and there's, there's many of them. Like if I click the next one, like look at this next one, this next one, He's driving to the rim. There's a wide open Frank Jackson in the corner, it, like literally right in his eyesight. We're not talking about and Like I said, make sure you guys watch the film breakdown because you guys will understand more often or more so what I'm talking about because it's hard to like picture in your head right now. But I'm not talking about him needing to make like next level reads or like, okay, this guy's rotating this way and he make this next. Like I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about guys are right in his eye lo- eyesight, right in front of him. He's just not making the pass and instead going up uh, on shots he just simply can't make. That's number one. That's the most frustrating part about him, and I think he has to improve, or he's just going to be like a black hole in the offense, and you can't have that. Um, And then, honestly, another thing is, like I said, his decision-making is uh, – I'm scared to look at Hal's face right now. I I, I don't want to say Josh Jackson again, but if you want me to be completely honest watching it right now, it's piss poor. That's why I think it – I think his decision-making is piss poor right now when he has the ball in his hands. There's multiple times I'm I've watched in this in while I'm watching film. I've watched every single layup he's taken this past season. And there's multiple times where not only is he not passing it to like wide open guys, he's simply taking layups he can't make. Uh like he's simply attempting to take shots he has no way and like chance of like not even talking about the fact that he's a bad athlete and like oh he lacks he lacks explosiveness to really get to the rim. Like shots that even explosive guys just shouldn't be taking. Like he's underneath the rim with three guys on him and he just and he hits the bottom of the rim because he tries to go up on guys. Or he he drives to the rim. Like there was this one against the Miami Heat. He's driving down the middle, and he tries to take like a scoop left-hand hook running layup kind of thing and hits the side of the backboard and goes out of bounds. So it's like he take. not only is he like lacking passing IQ, I think he's just lacking overall IQ when he has the ball in his hands attacking the rim because he's just taking shots that an uh, explosive guy would have trouble making, let alone a guy like Sadiq who – he kind of has that Stanley syndrome. I'm sorry, how I know we're both Stanley guys, but uh, people, like, joke that Stanley mean. had, like, a... Yeah, it's I, mean. Man, it, it hurts, it hurts for me, too. But people kind of joke that Stanley had, like, a negative vertical towards the end of his time here. And, like, if you watch some of his, his uh, Sadiq's layups that he misses, it looks like the exact same thing. He jumps, and it just looks like he's not leaving the ground at all. So, yeah, that, that's where my thing comes from. You want work on your driving to the rim? Absolutely, it needs, to, it needs to improve. Finishing on the rim? Absolutely. You know, what I think would like really improve his finishing around the room simply just not taking shots you can't make. Like if you just if he just eliminate those shots, his percentage is likely skyrocket up cuz I feel like a lot of his misses are just like stupid shots.
1: Yeah, I I think there's definitely a part of it where he may be affected by like those early misses and some of like the rim protection he's experienced where he's kind of rushing the decision making, right? He's he's thinking I've got into the paint oh, God, there's a rim protector coming. You know, this shot blocker's here. I need to just get something on the rim, right? And, he, and he's not got the time, you know, in his head to make the right decisions. That's some of it. Some of it's just, as you said, it's bad decision making. The good thing is every coach in the world sees that, right? There's no way that Dwayne Casey and the staff don't know that. I think that's something you can definitely coach out of him, right? You can work on that in the summer of here's the read, here's the read, make this kick out, make this kick out. You're right. It doesn't have to be the oh here's the help defender coming from your blind side. So you got to make this over the shoulder pass. Yet he doesn't need to do that. He's never going to need to do that. I do also think like he had kind of the ideal rookie season in the in the way that like his role on that team was way bigger than it's going to be moving forward. Right? He took a lot of touches. He took a lot of shots. Those are going to be Cade Cunningham touches now. Right? You're going to be. You're not going to be given. The like the first action is a DHO for for city to come around and do something with. It's going to be a Cade Cunningham pick and roll, and you're in the corner, right? And so you're going to be you're going to be attacking a rotated defense. There's going to be different openings, etc. Um, so I, th- I think hopefully we'll see an improvement next year, both because he's been coached out of it, and both and because he he hasn't had the same opportunities and the same. Um, You know, there was a a significant lack of shooting, right? So there's also things where it's like you've got three guys around you because the guy you're kicking out to is Diallo, who really isn't a a shooter, or Josh, who isn't a shooter, right? I think it all adds up to make him look worse than he is, but he he struggled. There's no way to to, to sugarcoat that. It was a problem for him that he couldn't find passes, and it was a problem for him that he just – took things he shouldn't have taken shots he shouldn't have taken you know there's there's something to be said for just taking a jump stop and you know throwing it back behind you to a guard to reset the offense when you need to
0: yeah and like how like how said my god i think the heat's getting to me dude we they, listen <laughs> there's no ac in my house and i had to turn the fans off to record the podcast it's literally 83 degrees in here and i'm literally sweating bullets i'm i'm, I'm burning so give me a break guys but anyways uh, like Hal said so I do think this is some, something Sadiq can improve on. Obviously I'm not saying he can improve on it before you guys come in my mentions saying, Oh, he's only a rookie. Yes, I know. We're talking about things he has to improve on. I think this is his biggest need for improvement because I think that is like those kind of weaknesses and those kind of habits have to become a habit. Like I said, uh, he'll become a black, a black hole in offense and it, you just can't have that. Um, also something that kind of shocked me how I'm going to go ahead and read this to you. So I'm looking at his synergy numbers. Um, his transition, he was in the 88th percentile. Excellent. Uh, he scored 1.35 points per possession. Now, uh, I'm going to assume, and I, I'm assuming you, I'd like to hear your thoughts on but I'm going to assume the reason why he's so good in this because of his threes in transition. they find him on the arc, and he'd hit yeah. a lot of threes.
1: That, yeah. That's what I would think.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I would have to assume it has to be that, or they're just simply graying the wrong person. Because I've watched every single transition layup this man's taken over the past year as well, and that's another area where I just think he lacks decision-making too. Cause it's like this euro step I've noticed is like his go-to move in transition. And the problem, the problem here is is that off the second step, he lacks any explosion to get off the ground. And he usually either one just throws it, like you said, up at the, the backboard, just try to get something up or two. There's been like three or four clips I've watched that he just straight up traveled and like fell over. Um, I'm not trying to completely roast Sadiq here. No matter what, like I know you guys may think I'm doing this, but like, this is like, these are like areas of improvement that he has to take. And I think that is, like I said, I think it's his by far number one weakness. He has to get to, I think I would chuck it all up to just, just decision-making. Like he has to take better shots at the room. And he just has to be smarter about what he wants to do around there.
1: We talked about this before you, you joined the Don family about Bruce Brown, right. And him uh, like, especially in his rookie season, struggling to finish around the rim. Right. And a lot of it was just like taking off at the wrong time. Right. Go trying to go and like jump around guys instead of going through them. Like there are things that you'll be coached in the NBA. Here's how you handle contact. You know, are you using a Euro step because you think the Euro step is the right move here? Because that's just what you've seen on TV. Or, you know, is there a, a real thought process to, you know, every step you're taking? Are you are you setting up yourself to get the best you know, launch towards the rim, you know, what are you actually doing? And I think for a lot of rookies, they're just pulling moves out of a hat, right? They're in a league that's a lot faster than they're used to, a lot more physical than they're used to, and they're just trying stuff. And so that's that's where you see things like Euro steps that don't really make sense. Uh, Sadiq had a couple of Euro steps this year where he basically Euro stepped air and you were just like, what? <laughs> like, dude, just dunk it. Like, I don't, Or if you can't dunk it, just lay it <laughs> up. Like, do it. That Chauncey Billups layup where he would like just like cup it right at the rim, and I was like, Okay, you're saving your knees. Like, you, you euro stepped a guy who was four feet behind you, you didn't need to do that. But stuff like that, that'll get ironed out, you know. You don't get to year five, six, seven still doing that stuff because you know you've had good coaching, even the worst yeah. coaches in the NBA are going to clear that up,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree that I actually think Bruce is a pretty good example, even though. I feel like they're obviously two completely different players. Absolutely. It's, it's an example of, of guys that they, they can improve around the rim. They can improve with their decision-making on what shots to take, what shots not to take, how to go about things. So, like, just to give you guys an example and approve what Hal was talking about here. So, if you look at Bruce Brown's rookie season, he was in the 10th percentile in shots around the basket, uh, which is awful, completely awful. If you look at him this season for Brooklyn Nets, he was in the 61st percentile. Uh, synergy ranks it as good he scored 1.20 points per possession so he already has made a really good improvement himself in just three years and I'm assuming that Sadiq can take that same kind of improvement but I'm sorry guys in order for him to take that improvement people like me and people like Dwayne Casey have to acknowledge that this is a weakness and talk about it or he's just going to keep doing it so I'm sorry I know you guys hate hearing me talk negative about any prospect we have but listen it just is what it is that's somewhere he has to improve on and Hopefully he will. I, I believe he can, and like Hal mentioned as well. Hopefully the spacing helps him out a little bit, and also playing with Kay Cunningham also will help him out a little bit too. So uh, his usage will go down, et cetera. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But yeah, definitely a major, major department for improvement in my opinion. Uh, Hal, you got anything else to say on that, man? Or you, you've you've just said everything you've got to say, man? I just.
1: Remember how he like shot like thirteen percent on Killian Hayes passes too? Yeah, like that's a thing that hopefully will just like clear up. and One of the weirdest statistical anomalies of last season was just that he shot like literally. I think he made like four threes off Killian assists or something crazy like that out of like thirty yeah. attempts. It was wild. Yeah, it was definitely little things crazy like that that see. are just you know shouldn't show up again.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll see what happens with Sadiq this second season. His his sophomore season, we'll see. Hopefully, we we'll see an improvement from him, Stu and Killian Hayes. How, um, man? Before we end the podcast, let me go ahead and let you know something real quick. Uh, I've become quite the Killian Hayes fan. Uh, I know you're a big Killian guy.
1: One of us. One of yes. <laughs> us. One of us. <laughs> I, I
0: won't. I, I can't sit here. I won't sit here and lie to you and say that I'm as big as a guy as like you and Laz were. But I'm definitely. I've been watching some of his film. I've been watching even his rookie season, which wasn't that good. Um, I, I still see what you guys, everyone has seen in him and what, what there is to like about him so much. And I actually have become pretty, I would say, decently high on his scoring potential. I'm I'm, I'm going to leave it there. I can, I know you hit, hit on that at the beginning of the season, even before the year when you were on the podcast. Not this one, but my other podcast, uh, my personal one before this one. Uh, I know you mentioned this a lot that you thought he had some good scoring potential in him. Uh and I, I see that now. I I I'm not gonna lie. I was getting a little I was a little worried at the beginning of the season. I was I wasn't like some of the guys calling him a bus, but I was getting a little concerned. But, the bandwagon you
1: know, I, has many seats. It's okay. We yes, got room for everybody.
0: I bought a ticket. I'm I'm currently sitting in the back of the bandwagon right now by myself in the back. But <laughs> just wanted to let you know that I am coming around and I am actually a pretty big fan of Killian's game. I can't wait to see him next year. Good. All right. So if there's anything else you want to talk about, go ahead and blur it out right now. We're actually looking at a shorter (laughs) podcast with a guest. We're at 39 minutes. I'm sure Nick and everybody who has to watch all the podcasts right now, make sure they're going at the right times. Or it's pretty happy (laughs) with that. It's pretty happy with that. So if there's anything else you want to hit on, go ahead and say now.
1: Nah, just a happy 4th of July to everybody.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Happy 4th of July to everybody. I know you guys will be listening to this on the 6th, but I hope you guys enjoyed, uh, the Fourth of July. Hopefully, you guys all stayed safe with the fireworks. Please be safe with those. Uh, I know there's a lot. I know I have a lot of friends who are still popping fireworks. Probably will be throughout the week because they're scumbags. But uh, if, <laughs> if, 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 if it's we, always
1: that guy who's got to get off his load at like July 10th, it's just like, yes. what are you doing, buddy?
0: <laughs> but if you are that guy, just be safe. Just be be safe with it. And don't be stupid with it. Just just be safe. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. How? Let everybody know where they can find you and your podcast.
1: Uh, You should be able to find me at Halbritius on Twitter. Uh, You should be able to find the busted header on most of your podcast platforms. If you can't find it, tweet me and we'll, we'll see what we can do about getting on there. All
0: right. Absolutely. Thank you Hal, for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Yep. Absolutely. I'm sure this is not the last time you'll be on. You'll probably be on again soon. We'll have to get you up here. (laughs) <laughs> we, 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 we gotta be, we gotta get Hal's numbers back up. Cause he said, he mentioned it before the podcast. You've had Bryce on here so much. I'm, I'm running behind exactly. the numbers. So. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, so I need, so I got, need to keep my appearances leader status, you know?
0: There you go. We'll, we'll try We'll try to get Hal back on here soon and make sure he stays pace with Bryce up there. But uh, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great day. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure if you guys haven't already go down below and subscribe. If you guys are new here. Give me a five star review, leave a review, and you can always can also put like a mailbag question in the review or a Kool Aid segment or submission in the review as well. But until the next podcast on Wednesday, I'll see you guys later. Once again, thank you, Hal, for joining me, and I will catch you guys later.